Welcome to the My Beyond Life podcast. The goal of this podcast is to equip, enable, and empower today's Christian woman to live a life beyond the lies, the limits, and the labels that Satan so often places on or all around us. In today's lesson, we'll continue our series on real talk about raw emotions. Ladies, let's go ahead and open up in prayer and we'll get going this morning. Father, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for your power and your might. Thank you, Lord, for your identity and who you are today. I thank you, Lord, that each situation, each woman walked in here today with, you've got in the palm of your hands. There is nothing, Lord, that has you scratching your head this morning. There's nothing, Lord, that has you going, hmm, didn't see that coming. Lord, I thank you that you are who you say you are. And I thank you that you can do what you say you can do. And I ask, Father, that you would be with us today, impart your wisdom to us today. Open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts, Lord, to your truth. Lord, put your words into my mouth today, Father, so that these ladies can hear straight from heaven. I thank you, Lord, for the truth that's in this lesson today. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm chapter number 40 is where we will eventually get to this morning. So if you want to go ahead and get there, then you're going to be ahead of the game. Psalm chapter number 40. All right, last week we took a look at different deliverances. And we took a look at how deliverances are tailor-made, custom-designed. God is kind of an Etsy kind of God instead of an Amazon kind of God, okay? He custom designs, he custom orders, he makes it exactly the way he wants it to be for you. Your deliverance is not going to look like a mass-produced deliverance. Okay, and I think a lot of times we treat God like Amazon. We want it, you know, delivered in an hour, please. <laughs> we want it uh, mass produced. We want it predictable. We want, um, we want to be able to scroll and be able to pick out what we want. And God's like, whoa, whoa, wait just a minute. If you order something off of Etsy, it's going to take a lot longer to get there. You're going to have to pay for shipping. All right, it's going to take some time because that person created it, custom designed it. So we talked about how our deliverances aren't going to look like everybody else's deliverances. We're going to have a custom deliverance from God, and it's going to be the best one. It's going to be the right one. So we looked at how Ruth's deliverance, that was through Boaz, through a, through a person. We looked at the widow of Zarephath, that was phen the phenomenal, mystical, miraculous provision each and every day. And then we took a look at Anna's deliverance, which was the nasty now and now daily deliverance where he delivered her from her from the sinful nature of Anna, how she didn't meet Mr. Boaz and how she didn't have miraculous meal in the bottom of her barrel every day, but how her deliverance really, after we looked at it, was the most amazing one because it was that daily mundane miracle that God had for her in meeting in that hard and being enough for her. So now we're going to take a look at um, how... We've been delivered many times in our lives. Now, all of us have issues. All of us have situations. All of us have something in our life we wish we could fix. We have people in our lives we wish we could fix. 
We have situations we wish that we could alter and we could come in and do a little bit of this and do a little bit of that and fix it up the way that we would love to have it fixed up. But now, look back in your past for just a minute. It's the new year. We always kind of reflect at the new year. I want you to look back at your past deliverances. The times when God stepped in and did amazing. Was it the best? Yes. Was it probably what you had picked out? Probably no. But did it work out for God's good and for your glory? Yes. Now let's look back at those little D deliverances where you got up on that white horse and you rode in as the hero. You forced doors to open. You manipulated, you controlled, you did everything you could do to get what you wanted. Was that the best? Did you live to regret that? Oh, we've all done it. The one up here is just as guilty as everybody else. There's been times I've gone through back doors and I've pulled the puppet strings and I've done everything I wanted to get what I wanted and then I got it and then it was like... <laughs> I don't taste right. Something doesn't quite ring true here. There's a little too much Amy all over this and not enough God. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at those times when God brings deliverance. And we're going to look at the times when God did what God did and it was amazing. And then when we did what we did and it was far less than amazing. And we're going to let that hindsight help us in our middle sight. Okay, because that murky middle can get pretty dark. That murky middle can get pretty hard to see hope in. So we're going to use our hindsight to help us in our middle sight so that we can walk in our murky middle, our day-to-day, -day, having a little foresight into the fact that God is going to do what God is going to do and it's going to be right. And then hopefully that will give us some insight into the fact that God is in control and he makes no mistake. Now, I don't know about you, but... Um, I have entered into things in life with a preconceived notion of how they were going to be. Y'all ever done that? Where you get a, a preconceived idea of what something's going to look like and what something's going to be like. I remember one time ordering off of Amazon. Um, my husband calls it Amy's on. Um, it was some end tables. And I had searched the world over to find end tables that matched an armoire that I already had. It's kind of a Spanish style and a rustic look. And I had searched the world over to try to find some end tables that would match it. And I finally found them custom made out of Santa Fe. I was so excited. They were going to be perfect. Now, in my mind, they would look like a trunk, okay, in my mind. Uh, those end tables, you know, were going to sit right there at the level of the, of the couch arm, and you could put your, your drink on it and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I got. What I got was... <laughs> I have hence learned to measure, okay, because it cost me more to send them stupid things back than it did if I would have just kept them. But here's the thing. I was thinking something like this. The guy who made him was thinking something like this. The pain in my tail was something like this. <laughs> but we have an idea of how something is going to be. 
Now, we all have a preconceived idea of what blessed looks like. I mean, we got it. We got an idea of what blessed looks like. Our idea of blessed is not God's idea of blessed. Let's look at what God's idea of blessed is. And that's what we're going to find in Psalm chapter number 40, starting in verse number 1. We know we're in trouble right out of the gates. The first two words shoot a hole in what we think blessed is. I mean, it cusses right out of the gates right here. I waited. Excuse me, that's not on my list, Lord. I waited. That's why we all hate going to the doctors, because we have to sit in a waiting room. We don't like waiting. I waited. And then the next word, we don't even have a clue what it means. No, that is not in the Greek. It's written in English right there. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. What we've got here is a picture of what God says is blessed. Blessed is a person who's had to wait. Blessed is a person who still has mud on the bottom of their feet. Blessed is a person who's been through some hard times. Blessed is a person whose hard times has helped other people in their hard times. Blessed is a person who has had to make themselves trust. Now, I don't know about you, but that does not fit my color by number blessed. My color by number blessed probably looks a little bit like your color by number blessed. We think about blessed as healthy and happy, well-paid, well-loved, all in a beautifully decorated house with a white picket fence, please. That's blessed. But God's idea of blessed is about God being good when things around us are bad. God's idea of blessed is showing you his power when you're facing something impossible. God's idea of blessed is God being right there with us even at the bottom of those slimy, deep, dark pits. Because there's a truth in understanding this blessed. And here it is. Pits do not cancel out blessings. Pits reveal the best ones. Pits do not cancel out blessings. They reveal the best ones. In the process of our promised deliverance, we're going to encounter pit after pit after pit, and they're going to be filled with hard. But we will also encounter something very special in those pits, and that's his presence. I don't know about y'all, but I've been through hard times 
where it was like God was so thick, you could literally reach out and touch him. And his whisper was loud enough for me to literally almost hear it. And his goodness was just so tangible that it just brought tears to your eyes so quickly and a smile to your face so readily. I think one of the worst curses in the whole wide world is apathy. And we've all been there where you're just cold. I mean, you just can't feel God. You can't hear him. You can't feel him. There's nothing really bad going on in your life. In fact, that's kind of the problem. Everything's okay. Because okay breeds apathy. Because we don't need him. And if you and I will ever change the way we look at hard and realize it's a blessing. That's why the Bible is so full of joying in our sufferings. Most gladly, therefore. I mean, you're thinking, what? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. It doesn't, two and two is not adding and making four right there. Because in the world's logic, that's not normal. But in God's economy, afflictions bring blessings. Because we need him. And when we need him, we finally hit our knees. And he's finally allowed to shine. Because before that, normal was shining great. And that's all we wanted to see. The world hopes that one day they'll catch a break. One day their luck will get better. Things will change. Everything will take a turn. But girls, as Christians, we've got so much more than that. So much more than that. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. We're going to walk through scripture today and we're going to take a look at some of these blessings that we have. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Take a look at verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. So he's talking to Christians. Concerning them which are asleep. He's talking about those that have died. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. We are going to walk through, just like Ruth did, those toes in the dirt difficult moments where things that we love, seasons in life that we love, actual people that we love, will literally pass on. An idea, a dream, a relationship, a bank account, a business. There are a lot of things that pass away in this life. But we will never stand in our toe, with our toes in the dirt like the world does. Because we have something that cannot die, and that's hope. Because in order to be hopeless, we have to be godless. And that's just not going to happen. See, we all know that we have the love of God no matter what. We all know, you've been in here long enough, you've heard me teach it enough, to know that God loves me, period. There's not going to ever come a point in my life where I'm going to be unloved. Or that God's love runs out. But do you realize he's also the God of hope? And that's not going to run out either. 
And for me to ever, ever, ever reach a point where a situation is hopeless, or a person is hopeless, or I am hopeless, I have to then be godless. God has to stop being for me not to have hope. Satan doesn't have the authority to steal the hope out of your situation or the hope out of your heart. We don't just have hope for tomorrow. We've got hope for today. We've got hope for right now. In the nasty now and now, in the drought, in the never-ending lonely, in our toes in the dirt, difficult moments. God never promised us, though, that we would not encounter sorrow. It was funny, I was talking to a lady the other day, she's just recently gotten saved, and man, has things amped up since then. Old demons have gotten megaphones. Okay, and it's just hard. Well, this, this lady um, is very new to the faith, very new to anything about the faith. So in talking to her, it was so refreshing to remember these, what we call basic truths. They're not basic to her. She doesn't know them. And she's like, I just feel like since I've been saved, things have just gotten so hard. And I chuckled and I told her, I said, you know what? Right after somebody gets saved, after I hug them and congratulate them and tell them how happy I am for them, I just want to tell them, oh, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> it's fixing to amp up, honey. It's fixing to get real. It's fixing to get real. But before, where this girl had no choice, she just got sucked into everything that happened. Now she has the power of choice. Now she has hope. Now she has help. Because now she has him. And yeah, the fighting's going to be hard and the battle's going to be hot. But you've got hope to win this one this time. Because you've got him. Take a look, if you would now, at the book of John. John chapter number 16. Because I think a lot of us think, and I don't think we mean to, but I think we have been so Disney-fied that we have bought into the happily ever after. John 16. We know logically that there's no happily ever after because we're married. <laughs> we have kids. We realize happily ever after doesn't exist because sin exists and, and personalities exist and issues exist. But look at what Jesus said in John chapter number 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me, underline those words if you've got a pen, in me ye might have peace. In the world, all right, now, in me we've got what? Peace. Well, now look what we get with the world. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now we could just park in this verse and spend the next 45 minutes looking at what this verse talks about. In me ye might have peace. Now you may be sitting there wondering, say, Miss Amy, I'm a Christian. Why do I not have peace? 
and you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking for peace in the world. You're looking for peace in your situation. You're looking for peace in a fix. You're looking for peace in a solving of a problem. You're looking for peace in another person. You're looking for peace in your scripted deliverance. You're looking for peace in your normal. You're looking for peace in everything being okay. That's not where God said we would have peace. Two little words said where we would have peace. In me. So if I want peace in me, I've got to look for peace in me. If I don't have peace in me, I'm not looking for peace in me. I'm looking for it somewhere else. And girls, it can happen in two seconds flat. We can attach our peace to many a thing. And if you find yourself in a peaceless state, pay attention to where you're looking for your peace. Now, let's see what else it says. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Now this goes ahead and shoots in the foot every idea of happily ever after, after you ask Jesus to come into your heart. Because God just told you, girls, you're going to have issues. Girls, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have relational issues, situational issues, financial issues, physical issues, emotional issues, mental issues, every kind of issue. All God's children got issues. He done told us to expect it. You're going to have tribulation because you're in this world. What does tribulation mean? It means pressure. It means affliction. It means anguish. And it means burdened. Now let's look at those four words that define tribulation and let's break it down. Pressure. That's performance tribulation. You got to perform. You got to be good enough, be strong enough, be smart enough, do enough. Fix it enough. <coughs> Solve it enough. Be good enough at work. Make enough money. Save enough money. Whatever it is, fix these two people that are fussing back and forth. Make peace. Be okay. Have the answers. Fix my people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Pressure. Women got different pressure than men. We really do. Okay? Men have to be in charge of everything. Women got to be in control of everything. <laughs> it's two different kinds of pressures. I don't want theirs, but I'm sick of mine. Okay? We got pressure. And it's that weight that pushes down on your shoulders. Y'all know when you go ride on a roller coaster and it starts going really fast and you feel that pressure and it pins you up against that seat. Y'all know that that's the way this is what it is in my mind. That's what pressure is. It just shoves you and weights you down and you can't move. You just literally can't move. I had a youth pastor growing up back when they used to have white lightning at Carowinds. And right before it went, started, he, he went to push his glasses up and the whole trip he was like this. Because <laughs> he couldn't get his head up because of the pressure. So I think of many times in life I walk around like this. I can't get my head up. Okay? Because it's weighing me down. The force 
is weighing me down. So we got pressure. I can, I can throw in with that one. I agree with that. I can feel that. Affliction goes with relational issues. Okay, pressure is more internal. It's ah, inside. It's what you feel about a situation. Affliction are people doing you wrong, song, kind of thing. Okay? It's relational issues, people betraying you, people letting you down, people not doing what they said they would do. Friction, issues in the family, issues with a friend, issues, 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 issues. That's what we're talking about with affliction. People are going to let you down. People are not going to treat you the way that God does. People aren't going to view you as important or special sometimes because we live in this world. So that's what that's talking about. What about anguish? To me, anguish is that emotional and that physical burden. This could be physical issues or problems. This could be sickness. This could be disease. This could be a diagnosis. But anguish to me also is not just physical. Sometimes it's mental and emotional. It's that thing that plagues you. It's that fear. It's that, that emotional hang-up. It's that thing that just nips at your heels all the time. It's that thing that happened to you as a child that still affects you as an adult. That's that anguish that brings to my mind. And then the word burdened, oh, that's that spiritual weight. That's that lost loved one that, that just weighs on your soul. That's that, that un, unsafe spouse. That's that wayward child. That's that burden on your heart where you want them so badly to choose right. And over and over and over again, they don't. And you see the consequences coming. You see the train wreck coming. And you can not fix it. To me, that says burdened. And women wear this one. We feel it. We feel it a whole lot more. Men are so much easier to say, you know what? They, they get what they get. You did it. You get the consequence. Women are like, oh, 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 why did you do that? I told you not to do that. All of this could have been spared. We just see the train wreck coming. Whatever, but, but what I love more than anything about this verse. So we've got in me, we've got in the world, but I love these next two, verse, or two words in this verse that I want to tell you about. I have. Look at what he has. I have overcome the world. Now we just broke down what the world was. The world was pressure. The world was, was affliction. The world was anguish. And the world was burdened. But look what he just did, said. I've done overcome it. I've already beat it. I've already won. He's already defeated the enemy that's coming at you. 
all of that anguish inside, all of that pressure from the outside, all of that betrayal from this person, all of the hardship from your childhood, all of that stuff we just named, he's already defeated it. It's already a beaten enemy. I think there's sometimes we need to look at a situation in our life. Don't say this to a person because they might think you're crazy. But a situation in your life, and maybe that person in your mind you need to say this to, or that issue or that emotional hang-up or whatever it is you have, you need to come toe-to-toe to it in your mind and say, you've already lost. You just don't know it yet, but you're defeated. He's won. So you go up to that emotional issue and you say, you know what emotional issue? You lose. You know what physical ailment? You might take me out of this world, but he's still beating you. You know what cancer? You don't win. You know what Satan? You lose. You know what loneliness and divorce and hate and bitterness? You won't win. You know what spirit of rebellion in my child? You are defeated. He wins. And I mean, I'm not going to live in defeat when my Savior wins. I can live in peace and I can live in victory. Now, yeah, I'm going to have hardship. He just, he's he's already told us. We cannot sue him for non-disclosure. We can't. He told us out of the gates. We're going to have all these things. But I win. He's already defeated him. Now, I love this, okay? So we can have peace in him. How? How? When we're still fighting and it's still hard and our loved one is still making stupid choice after stupid choice. When my finances are still an issue, when I I still don't have a job, when my marriage is still in trouble. And I know God wins here, but I would sure love to see it here. Anybody else? I think about that politically. Oh, I would sure love to see God win. Pull one out, God. I would sure love to see it. So what do we do in the meantime? When we logically know he wins, but we sure ain't seeing it. Here's something that can help you live in that peace in him. Go to Romans chapter number 8. So you're in the middle of hard. You're in the middle of difficult. You're in the middle of a storm, a situation. Difficult. And you wake up to another 86,400 seconds of hard today. What's something that can give you some peace? We're going to look at three places in Scripture that give us an amazing truth that you're going to open up your eyes to every day in your heart. And no, I'm not going to tell you about new mercies and great compassion and great faithfulness because that's one I go to every single time. But let me tell you what you do open your eyes to on top of those three wonderful truths. All right, look at Romans 8, look at verse number 34. Who is he that condemneth? 
it is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. You want to know what intercession means? It means to intercede on behalf of. All right, so now here's the truth. I know you know it, but I don't know if you really know it. When you opened your eyes this morning, you had already been prayed for. Not by me. Not by preacher. Not by your mama. You had been prayed for by Jesus. He's already called your name out to the Father. You know that lost loved one that makes you shed many a tear? Jesus done beat you to the punch this morning. He's already been praying for him. You know that grandbaby that you see starting to go down the wrong way because their parents are just not doing what they need to be doing? Oh, God's got them covered too. He's already been praying for him today. I think we can have a lot of peace in that. When we wake up to 86,400 new seconds of hard, he's already prayed for you for all 86,400 seconds. For how many times your heart will beat that day, he's done prayed for you. How many breaths you will take that day, he's already prayed for you. Oh, and even on those mornings when you wake up and everything seems like it's fine, but you didn't have a clue what you were going to face during that 86,400 seconds, he's prayed for that too. He's already prayed for you when you first open your eyes in the morning. He's already called out your name. Keep your hand in that spot, but I want you to go to Hebrews 7. We'll come back to that chapter in just a minute, but there's something else I want to add to it. Hebrews chapter number 7. So we see him sitting on the right hand of God praying for us. Now look at Hebrews 7, look at 25, verse 25. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. That's why Jesus even lives. His whole purpose now is to pray for us. That's why he is. He came to die for us, to redeem us, and now he lives to pray for us. Now go back to that Romans chapter. Romans chapter number 8. Let's look at another goodie that we can tend to overlook sometimes. Romans chapter number 8. Go up to verse 26. Likewise. So on top of that, let's look at some gravy on the mashed potatoes. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we all... You ever been at a loss don't even know what to pray? 
I mean, you just don't know what to do. It's deer in the headlight look. And you're like, God, I have no clue what to pray. I don't even know where to start. I ain't got the words for it. But the Spirit itself maketh, oh, there's that word again, intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now let me paint this picture for just a minute. Because you need, you need to see this, because this is where you're going to plug in for some peace. You've got Jesus on the right hand of the Father calling out your name, praying for you. Then you have the Spirit who agrees with him in prayer. And we know what happens when two agree. So they're agreeing in prayer for you. And what the Spirit is praying is too holy to even be written. We can't even understand what he's praying. There's times, I'm going to give you some Amy theology right here. There's times when the Spirit doesn't even know what to say. Because it says he groans. He groans on your behalf. So you got Jesus over here praying for you. You got the Holy Spirit. And he's just... can't even put it into words what he's praying for you. There's no earthly words to put on paper for what he's praying for you. And yet, we think he don't care. We think he's uninvolved. We think he's not even near. When while we were sleeping, the Spirit was shedding tears for you. Praying so earnestly, there's no words to even say it. And they're agreeing together for you before you even open your eyes and start your day. That's what you wake up to. And that's why we can have peace when our situation is anything but peaceful. And our people are anything but doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I've started adopting this little thing in my prayer time because of this reality. There's times I just come to them, you know we've talked about that blank piece of paper. And we talked about putting our scripts away. This goes right with it. And there's times I'll just say, Lord, whatever it is Jesus is praying for me right now, I agree with it. I'll be the third one to agree in prayer. I'll be the threefold cord. Holy Spirit, 
whatever it is you're groaning about over my life. I agree. Father, whatever it is Jesus is calling out over my child, I agree. Holy Spirit, whatever it is you're praying over my mind, I agree. Whatever it is you're, you're praying over my situation, I agree. We know he's not praying for the easy way out. We know he's not praying for the quick fix script. But we know what he's praying is according to the will of God. And in the end, girls, that's the best kind of deliverance there is. It might get darker before it gets better. It might get harder before it gets easier. It might get long before you get your answer. But I'm learning the power of agreeing in prayer with my two intercessors. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the truth of this lesson. It's a game changer. Because when Satan comes hissing and telling us you don't care, you're silent, you're not involved, and, and you have no power, and the whole thing is a lie, we're being prayed for right at that very moment. And God, I don't know each of the hurts, I know some of the hurts represented in this room today, but I do know each woman walked in here with an issue. Maybe it's an internal struggle where she just can't get victory. Maybe it's a relational issue where something is just breaking her heart in the life of a loved one. Maybe it's a future issue, just a fear of the what if and the unknown. Maybe it's a million and one other things that I haven't named. But I'm thankful for the power of the truth that she's being prayed for. She's being interceded on behalf of by Jesus and the Spirit. And Lord, we all come together this morning and we agree with you in prayer. Whatever it is you're praying over us, Lord Jesus, we agree with. Holy Spirit, whatever it is you're praying over our situation or over our people, Lord, we agree with. Father, you will deliver in the right time and in the right way. And we trust you for it. We believe you for it. We make you our trust today. Thank you for loving us and giving us a hope that cannot be taken away. We praise you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>